When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 405 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, he's Rafa Alvamui, and no Rafa, I think my voice and general physical state kind of match the tone of this show, but very much like the result, we will get through it, and I have to ask you, how are you doing? I'm hanging on. Uh, <laughs> once again, we're going through a very rough patch, but honestly, it's 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 worrisome that it's, it's starting to feel familiar, so... Although I am sad and mad a little bit, it's just I'm not surprised, honestly. Sadly, I saw it coming, and uh, because obviously it, it, we it wasn't up to us, even defeating Bayern. We, I mean, regardless of what happened in our game, we are we already knew that we were down, going down to the Europa League. So well, I didn't realize, <sighs> I didn't realize you were talking about Barcelona. I literally thought you were talking about my cold. This ah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm trying my best not to throw my nephews under the bus, but kids have kids have illnesses, <laughs> and so the the minute you, the minute you talk to one, you know that. But I had a wonderful vacation. I want to thank everyone as well. As I said I've already been back for a show this week, but for the for the the last week, yeah, I was away. I was able to get some nice relaxation. It was really nice that Barca went out and destroyed Villarreal while I was on vacation. So that was the only time I had to like unplug. So it was nice to do that. I would have hated to have to unplug for Bayern Munich and then plug back in to a vacation or whatever the 
whatever that that interview goes. So yeah, I'm going to try my best not to cough my way through this. If I do, it's that's why it's going to be disjointed. But likely, yeah, if there is some weird thing where Ross is talking and then all of a sudden he's talking about a different thing, it's yeah, because I went through a coughing fit. But yeah, we're going to start with where you began, Rafa, and that is the fact that how Barcelona were already out of the Champions League affected yesterday, and it affects the entire narrative here because, you know, I feel like I would love to talk about the game individually, but also who cares and who, by the time that match started, who gave a flying fart how that ended? Because Bayern Munich, 16 goals to two goals over their last, what, nine matchups. Like, Barcelona hasn't beaten Bayern Munich, what, twice in their entire history, and they've lost almost double-digit time. So it's like, they cannot get over Bayern Munich. And you, not to say you're accepting of the, the L of the loss, because I didn't do that. I said, hey, Barcelona could go out there and, and do something about it. But once again, Barca faced down the mighty Bayern Munich, and they proved, that being Barcelona, that I don't think it mattered who Xavi put out there. Barcelona, at this moment, the way they're constructed, be it the lineup, be it Xavi's tactics, there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about. They're just not as good as Bayern Munich. They're just, their feet behind, their legs behind. So as inflammatory as it might be about talking about 90 minutes, you know, Barcelona were already out of the Champions League. Like the, the damage is already done because of injuries, VAR, decisions by Xavi. And there's, you know, just where do you put, and that's not really exactly the percentages, but there certainly is different pots where you put why Barca aren't in the Champions League anymore. And, you know, because of the the, the money that was spent, that's another big thing. I'm basically speaking about our outline today because that's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about financially the big picture. We have to talk about what this means for the summer transfer and the January transfer windows about the construction of the squad, who needs to stay, who needs to go in the big picture, how Xavi navigates the rest of this year. And so I, I think where we should start, Rafa, is probably just talking about not that Barca are out of the Champions League before this match started, but the fact that in this match, they clearly weren't as good as Bayern Munich. And when you were watching this match, you know, how do you diagnose that? What did you, what in this match did you see that said, yeah, the thing Barca is, behind. I'll say this. There's some games that I think Xavi gets it right. And I think there's some games that Xavi gets it wrong. In Germany, we were by far the better team. And it was just one of those games that we were unlucky in the sense down to us because we didn't put our chances away. And then the few that Bayern had, they put theirs away. Like even Leroy Sané said it after that game. Nagelsmann said it Wednesday. Wednesday, He said, in Germany, we maybe we were a little bit lucky. But tonight, obviously, we were the better team. So that being said... The same way I could say Xavi got it wrong, uh, got it right in Germany, and I think it was down to the players why we didn't win. This time around, I think we the reason we lost was because of Xavi. I think, think tactically, there's to me. Although I do agree that Bayern are a better team, you can't. To me, it it just bothers me how we go to Germany with a plan. We outplay them for the most of that game. We have so many good chances to put that that game away and win in freaking Germany at the Allianz, and then they come at, at they come to the camp no, and we just get rolled over. We don't look competitive at all until, in my opinion, minute sixty ish when Xavi, quote unquote, decided to go forward, took out Busquets, put in forwards and whatnot. Because to me. It just looked like we were scared. Like, uh, yeah, like playing with Pedri as a false winger, that worked against Athletic Club and Valverde and whatnot. But against Bayern, it we, we just didn't have any threat up top. So you notice Bayern, we're like, oh, we know you you don't got speed with Pedri. You don't got speed with Lewandowski. The only way you can do any danger is with Dembele 
and he will boy did he turn Alfonso Davies around in that first half. But they knew that. So they were just able to push forward, press up high, and Upamecano and the league didn't have to worry whatsoever behind them because we had no threat to take advantage of those spaces. So that enabled them to literally put their high line and suffocate us, and we couldn't play out from the back. And to me, that's down to Xavi. He read it wrong, and that showed on the pitch. So at the end of the day, that's that's... To me, I, I I'll just say this. To me, this not the the loss itself, but how we looked, how below Bayern Munich we looked. Besides, like Dembele and Balde, I think this is just down to Xavi, one hundred percent, and it is growing pains because we might analyze players. Oh, they're just getting to Barcelona. They're young players, Gabi Balde, Pedri, whoever that might be. But Xavi is also learning as he goes. He doesn't have, I mean, I Al Sad, wherever he was, to me that's not experience at the high level. So he's learning on the fly as well, and we're seeing this throughout the entire season that there's some games that he completely gets it right, and then there's some games that he completely gets it wrong. So to me, I, I, it pains me to say this because I do love Xavi, but this L to me, it's all down to him. Well, yeah, I, I think the big disparity between the two teams was the press kind of as you were alluding to Barcelona's press was disjointed at best and there were a number of times I mean every goal it was because Balde was pushing forward the way that he was it was a 3v3 with Jules Koundé and Bayerin and Marcus Alonso against Bayern's fours coming through while they're that fun three was I mean Thomas Muller didn't even start the match. So it's not to say that I mean, he came, came on afterwards. So it's not that he was that terrifying. But yeah, when you have ECM and you have Mane and you have Gnabry with Musiala in behind and you basically create those four on three, that being Bayern Munich did. And it took one pass. And as much as, you know, it did take a little bit of a rewatch to kind of diagnose that and get to the, almost get to the bottom of it, if you will, where Bayerine, A, out of form, B, even in form, not that great defensively, has also lost some speed as well. So putting him one against Sadio Mane, 1v1, not to say zero blame on Bayerin, but like Bayerin is who he is. And I don't blame him for getting undressed by Sadio Mane because that's going to happen nine and a half times out of 10. Like only once does Bayerin get, get fortunate with that. On the, what was it? The second goal, there was a moment when Marcus Alonso stepped forward and jumped forward to try to make this tackle when Balde was caught upfield, and then it left space in behind, that being Balde's left flank that Bayern Munich just exploited, and there goes ECM and just scores through the likes of Ter Stegen. And at that point, I'm like, why did Alonso do that, right? Is that an instruction from Xavi, or was it something more? Well, looking back at the first goal, Kunde did the exact same thing. That you know, So it's not a matter of Alonso did poorly because Alonso stinks, and Kunde does the right thing. So Kunde actually made the exact same quote-unquote mistake or was that the instruction from Xavi? Because it's either an individual mistake or it's Xavi got his tactics wrong. One of the other reasons for that being a problem was on both those goals, it wasn't even Alonso and Kunde who had stepped that made the issue. It's that why were those two having to make that last ditch tackle at midfield? Because Barcelona playing a high line themselves. And yes, Bayerin did keep in both goals. He, if he had stepped forward, then those goals aren't scored and those are offsides. 
So, I mean, truly one step by Bellerin is the difference there. However, on that press, especially with Pedri on the wing, and I don't know if this was the problem here. It may have been that Pedri was unfamiliar with his pressing duties and his spacing. But on, I believe, is the second goal. He and De Young, it was, it was the one that started uh, from the dead ball situation. He and De Young are 15 yards from each other. And both of them are closer to the man on the dead ball than they are to the man behind in the midfield. So you put Busquets in a 2v1 situation. And Busquets cannot, at this point, handle a 1v1 situation, let alone a 2v1. So that's why that one ball from the dead ball situation was able to bypass Barcelona. And that was the other thing and the other reason why Balde was pressing high on that side because Balde had stepped to try to press. Because when Barcelona are in their man-to-man press like that, if you don't have a man or somebody doesn't have a man, again, personnel-wise, you don't have the ability to put out any fires. Because then again, Busquets in a 1v1 is awful. Bearing Alonso, like you have people that cannot function in 1v1 situations. So it's for me, it was two things that really like outclass Barcelona. It's that one, you're correct that I think Xavi, especially with his press dealing with Bayern Munich, totally got it wrong. That's one. But part two, even if he had changed personnel or even if he had got it slightly right, Bayern Munich are still going to take advantage of Barca because their players are just better than Barcelona's players. They're more informed, like even in buildup. Like I, I know we were saying that it just seemed to be like Dembele, but Bayerine, I thought he gave a pretty good effort offensively. It's just like his passes were behind teammates or in front of teammates. All his wall passes were off by a few yards. Like it just seemed like he had not practiced or played much with his teammates because he hadn't. He played less 150 minutes going into that match. So it's like to ask a team that is not good enough anyway to have not have any con- continuity and then throw them out there together against a well-oiled machine as Bayern Munich. Like the result is exactly what we thought it was. Same thing with Kessier. Like Kessier had good moments, but also it continued to be an issue with he and Busquets and De Young. Like they were not anywhere near each other. And I don't think that was even on purpose. I think that, that they were just kind of trying to do their own thing and write their own script. And that just can't happen against Bayern Munich. Like against Bayern, you have to overload the midfield, keep your midfielders tight, and then build out through the wings, and then build back through the middle. And they just didn't do that. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen, or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Pique and Puyol, or Pique and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case... When it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up, and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and 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 with Xavi, what disappoints, what's disappointing me a lot from Xavi is that he can talk a big game in the press conference at how he wants or likes to play. Oh, this like the third man, the the square, and this I'm, I'm trying to like translate that from Spanish to English as well as I can. But he's talking about all these like technical, elaborate stuff, and then when you actually see Barcelona play, you're like, dude, we don't play like that whatsoever. And then. For example, like, I'm not, like, as you all know, I'm not the biggest fan of Eric Garcia whatsoever. But to me, it's mind-puzzling that you decide to go with Marcos Alonso as a center back ahead of Eric Garcia. I don't like Eric. I think he should play the least amount of minutes. But in this exact situation, if Marcos Alonso is barely good as a wing back or a left back, as a center back, he's horrible. He has no idea tactically what he's doing. Like, there were so many times that he was just running back, looking literally like at Ter Stegen without like realizing who was like on his left, on his right, behind him. He was just like, F this, I'm just running back and then I'll just reassess and see what's going on. Like, Marcos Alonso is horrible as a center back. Then at the same time, like, it's, it's just sad to watch Busquets. Just like from now to let's go back a few years, if we don't play a certain way, which for whatever reason, you might think we don't play the way we should, we, we just don't. So he is more of a detriment than anything else. Like I, I think you said in one of your match reviews a few a few days ago, I think it might have been after the classical. He just like he doesn't compensate enough. Like before it was like, oh, offensively, he just gives you so much and whatnot. Right now, offensively, he doesn't give you that plus to counter all the minus that he gives you during a game. So at the end of the day, like Busquets, is, if we are not going to control the game, which we 
more often than not, in big games against quality teams, we just don't. It's the ugly truth. Whether we don't have the right players, whether Xavi's not cap- hasn't been capable of of just teaching them, because that's another thing that I, I see with Xavi, and and it's worrying me. And I see I saw this a lot in college. I don't know if it happened to you. I had a lot of professors that were geniuses in that like specific uh, topic. Let's say math. Uh, a physics teacher. He knew everything about physics and whatnot, but he just didn't have the talent of explaining that to to everyone else. And that's not something easy to do. You might like Xavi, obviously he knows everything, but right now I don't think he's been able to to teach the entire team how he wants to play because we we're playing more often than not not the way I know Xavi wants to play. Therefore, if we don't play that way, we suffer because, A, we don't have the personnel to defend running back to our goal because it happened in the Clásico. If you're not going to control the game and you're, you're going to lose dumb passes and whatnot, then you're going to be really, really in a bad state trying to defend a counterattack against freaking Valverde, Vinicius, Chouameni, Benzema, and company. Same thing against the Bayern Munich. Like, if we're going to play with Bellerin, who, like you said, has definitely lost a step because of that ACL injury, isn't match fit whatsoever, just got to Barcelona. So he's still, like, trying to learn everything back. He's played almost his entire uh, adult career in the Premier League. You got Marcos Alonso, who's slow as hell, who is playing as a center back. Then you got Busquets, who, again, is at the end of his career, slow, can barely stop anyone 1v1, let alone 2v1. You got Pedri playing as a false left winger. It's just a mess. And it showed against a Bayern Munich side that knew everything that they had to do. Like, it wasn't that, in my opinion, obviously, Nagelsmann got it, got everything right. But it, even individually, they just, like, even, let's say, Musiala. There were times where Musiala knew exactly who was besides him. Let's say it was Busquets. Musiala knew he didn't have to do anything fancy. He just sprinted towards one way, and he was able to lose Busquets out of sight. Like, it was just little things like that that were like, dude, they're not even, like, doing anything like a, a genius tactic. Like, that's all, in all fairness, they were playing with freaking Eric Chupomotin. Like, with all due respect, like, they were playing with Ulreich. Ulreich, Neuer wasn't playing. We weren't able to get a freaking shot on target. Yeah. I mean, I think that does say something. Well, that last point, it's hard to refute that one. But as far as Barcelona's personnel, it kind of makes me think about the big pictures, that, the big questions that are especially being asked internally at the club and what that means for the rest of this season, including what the discussion or how this club is going to go forward throughout the World Cup in that for Barcelona's goals this season, right? Now the Champions League is gone, dead and, and buried. There's Copa del Rey. There's the Liga. And there's Europa League and there's a Supercopa. And the goal for Xavi Hernandez, because as I said, I mean, you and I have talked about before, no one's screaming Xavi out. Like we're holding him accountable. We're putting blame on him. But I mean, nobody's beginning. This project is still in its infancy, truly. I mean, he's been there for 11 months. So talk to me after two years, really. Uh, but but the hot seat is going to get a lot hotter and the pressure is going to build on Xavi if he can't win of those one of those four trophies I just talked about. I mean, Barcelona do desperately need to win a trophy this season to validate the summer. 
And that's going to be a big question throughout the rest of this season, that Barcelona are not good enough against these top opponents, Inter, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, whoever it may be, right? And even in the Europa League, they might face an inform Arsenal side that is going to look better than Barca, the way that Barca constructed. But the rest of their Liga matches, as they've already proven in the league, like Barcelona is good enough. Like they're a tier two team right now. And so they're good enough to challenge for the Liga trophy. And they might lose it at the end to, to Real Madrid, but Real also could drop some points like they are, are capable of doing. So Barca may be in that fight. They could be in the Europa League fight, depending on the draw. They could be in the, well, they should be in the Supercopa fight. And they're always in the Copa del Rey fight because that's the one trophy they seem to know how to win. And for Barcelona, it's interesting because we can all agree. And and the, the comments about Sergio Busquets kind of taking something personally, and even Xavi's comments after kind of hint to you that PK, Alba, Busquets, like they know that the club was saying, hey, I think your time is over. And they were saying that last summer. And those guys were like, we're making a buttload of money. Our time is still not over. But now that they get to physically see, and it's hard to watch Busquets get booed too at the spot if I can't know, because again, the guy's a legend, but he's a legend who didn't know when to leave. And that's always a problem with the legends. If you don't know when to go, you're going to get booed. That's what happens. And so moving forward this season, I know that we're going to see Busquets more than people want. But the same thing when PK was needed, and I don't think he will be because Christensen's supposed to come back against Valencia. And you hope that between Christensen and Araujo that you don't see PK's face anymore this season, maybe in the Copa del Rey. And for Jordi Alba, that's it. Jordi Alba's done something wrong this season, the way Busquets and PK have. But you could also see the way that Xavi is using Marcus Alonso and the fact that Balbe, even against Bayern Munich, is the starter at Barcelona at the left-back position. So other than like Jordi Alba getting the rare game, like it's not those are not his minutes He'll just get some pity minutes here and then. So between those three, I mean, it's it's rumored that they one of the two, that being PK or Alba, might choose to leave in January. I don't see that happening with what they're making. But as far as like what drastic changes are going to happen to the squad this season or even in January, I don't see anything big happening. This is the squad this season. And then the club, because that's the next topic we have to get into about the finances, what this means. Next season, the club will have to change out what, seven players, right? You're talking about five to seven, not even new transfers. You're talking maybe four new free or four more free transfers, like the likes of the Alonzos and the Bayerine. Sorry. I mean, hopefully you get more Christensen and, and Kessier types, but McKessie hasn't really proven it yet either. So your free transfers, expect that to be the route, like Inigo Martinez, like when that, that kind of rumor pops up, a Spanish left-footed center back, who is on a free transfer. Like, yeah, of course, let's circle that a billion times over because those those rumors are real. And so obviously believe those kind of things. But as far as multiple players, especially when you talk about Busquets' replacement, multiple players who might be more than 50 million euros again, like that's crazy. Like you can't talk that way anymore. And the fact that the club, as I said, they didn't have the money last summer. And we're going to hear a lot of it from a lot of critics talking about the levers and the fact that Barcelona mortgage their future. And I always want to remind people that the truth financially is somewhere in the middle. That, like Laporta say, Barcelona is not fine. And, you know, whenever you hear Eduardo Romero, like, he's the one who's saying the truth. Like, the, the, the VP, like, the, the was it, the vice president of finances, like, he's the one who you have to believe. Whereas, like, uh, we could, really could use that Champions League money. Like, yeah, that's true. But I have also heard that it's, what, 12 million euros or 13 million euros are going to miss out on by not making, I think it was all the way to the semifinal, or they budgeted for the quarterfinal of a Champions League, yeah. which is, what, 13 million euros that they're going to miss out on. But the big worry about Barcelona is that when Barca don't win trophies and they and they do fail, 
there's a lot less gate revenue, as I've said, and gate revenue is so important to this team. It's brand recognition. It's people signing up for Barca TV, which actually doesn't do much, but it's it's people signing up and merchandise and all those things and the portion of merchandise that Barca does get and also sponsors like the the Spotify deal. If you try to renegotiate that, I mean, obviously they just signed it, but it, let's say they, they tried to sign it next season. It'd be a lot harder to sign a new shirt sponsor, right? If Spotify, if Spotify decides to walk and take some kind of out, like whatever deal that they get is going to be less than they had last year because they also last year were in the Europa League. So you're going to in marketing and, and pulling in sponsors is a lot, lot harder you get. And those sums add up. Uh, and that's why you're going to continue to hear the super league stuff. And that's, what's so cynical because the super league conversation, I'm not saying it's pro or con. I'm saying that because that super league conversation, a, it does ruin the integrity of the, of the sporting of it. It does ruin the integrity of the UEFA champions league, but in the same regard, like, the UEFA Champions League is a, I mean, the UEFA, not the Champions League itself, but UEFA is completely corrupt. Like it's, it's nonsense in particular. And again, that broadcast money brought in by the Premier League because La Liga cannot compete and Javier Tebas does nothing to help Spain compete. That's why you have one Spanish club in the knockout rounds of the Champions League. So there's a problem with Spanish football that it seems like Real Madrid and Barca and Atletico Madrid have taken upon themselves to say, hey, if, if the league isn't going to fix this and we're going to fix this and we're going to look like we've got egg on our face, but hopefully there's enough people that forgive us that we keep up our brand and we are able to compete financially. And that's the next step for Barcelona is how they fight for their own brand recognition while being almost put in this little box of a failure team. Like Kevin Williams said, and this is going to be the, the title of the podcast, it's a legacy of failure. From like from Sander Rizal to Bartomeu, like financially, Barcelona failed. Financially, they had two presidents that absolutely failed the club. And now on the field, you are seeing between Roma and, and Bayern and Bayern and Bayern and Bayern and Bayern and, Bayern and Liverpool, and, right? Like you are seeing now a legacy of failure with the same legends face after face after face. Like I have to put the last story for you, Rafa. So when I'm going to do my JPEGs for the YouTube or whatever, and I, I'm trying to find stuff from the past even, I'll like, when I, when I name them and I find the, the images, I'll, I'll put it like PK disappointed or Barca disappointed. So all I did was I put into my hard drive, PK underscore disappointed. And do you know how many images popped up? The answer is too many. <laughs> too many images pop up when I put Ter Stegen disappointed. I have too many images to show you from the last few seasons of our players looking mopey and sad after a, a bad result that meant a cataclysmic podcast for you and I a few days after. No, I mean, I agree with almost everything you said. And then as far as like the the... January transfer window. The only reason I think we might see some activity is because I was reading, whether that's true or not, but that the the board is afraid that during the summer there they might not be able to abide by the one by one rule salary wise. It could go back up to like the one by three, one by four. So that's why we might see more a January transfer window more agitated than we might have had uh, if we hadn't gone out of the Champions League because they're like, well, we don't know what's going to happen during the summer. So we if we do have the one-by-one -one rule right now, so we got to reinforce the team now because we don't know if we're going to be able to abide by that yeah, during the I summer. I just want to jump in there and say that like the wages, wages – 10 mm. times more important. And that's what like all these Twitter pundits that aren't following Barcelona, I just, they just do not seem to grasp that Barcelona as, as hard as it may be, 
Like you may say Frankie Diallo, they solved their own problem because he's going to be the future Busquets. But no, like Barcelona still desperately need to get rid of Frankie Diallo's wages because if they had made the quarterfinal of the Champions League, Frankie Diallo's salary is three times that. But they they have to budget for Frankie's salary because you can't push him out. But if they find a way to convince him to leave, or if Man United or some other team offers him a big enough package and he goes, that does rectify the issues with the with with not making this round of the Champions League. Right. So yeah, that's but, what we're talking about. And that's why. the Yeah. It's like, it's like Frankie and also like the with Spanish, like the vaca, like the sacred cows, like Busquets, Piqué and Jordi Alba. Oh, yeah. I was just reading today on Mundo Deportivo that even if you buy them out for the salary cap, they, their salary still counts, even though yeah. you bought them out. So they were like, if we're going to buy them out and it's still going to count against the salary cap, we might as well have them here physically. So. It's it's just also one of those th those things that apparently like not only Laporta and Barcelona but a bunch of like other La Liga teams like want Teos to take that out because they're like dude like we're paying them to leave why are you punishing us salary cap wise because then it doesn't make any sense like we're Stupid. being penalized two times instead of just one that doesn't make any sense so obviously the Barcelona's relationship with Teos isn't the uh, the greatest right it's now, but like, that it's, I want to say I want to throw that in too. It's Villarreal, yeah. it's Real Betis, it was Mallorca, it's Almeria. Like there's a there's a number of teams that are dealing with that rule, right? And so my argument is always if a third or half of the teams in your league are annoyed by something, like take Barcelona and Real Madrid out of it, because yeah, of course they want what's best for them, and so that rule's in there so that those guys don't just make mistakes in the transfer window and then pay off players and get to repeat the same mistake. In, in short order, because I mean, again, that empowers Real Madrid to do more of that. True, but I think it's better for Spanish football in totality to get rid of that rule. No, I, I completely agree. And then, it, it, again, salaries are what they are, especially not not the good ones. Um, I would say that obviously Lewandowski's salary, like nobody's complaining about that when he's banging. 15 goals, 16 goals, 17 goals, whatever he has scored so well, far. Nobody, That's, but he is making 37 million when he's 37 years old or whatever it is. He's like, true. And, and that reminds me, like, again, it all comes down to performance because if he's still playing like right now, I don't think anybody's going to, well, quote unquote, be bothered by what he's earning as long as he's providing all those goals. Obviously, that remains to be that seen. But then when you have a salary. matches, though. Like, What was like that? Next year, the year after, like he has to score one of these "quote unquote" big matches. Like he needs to get a classico goal. He has to score a big goal against the team that you're fighting for the group for next year. It's second. He does. I completely agree. He does. But in this, in his defense, a little bit, the only game that I think he just, I can't defend him is the one against Bayern in Germany because he did have chances. And he just missed them, which is was very weird to watch because you would think he would put those away. But in the rest of the matches, like the the games against Inter, the game against Real Madrid, the games the game against Bayern, I think it's just more down of to a collective issue in Xavi because he's just getting bullied by two or three defenders. It happened in the two games against Inter. He was basically playing against three center backs. It happened Wednesday. Upamecano and the league were literally eating his ankles. Like yeah. he had no time whatsoever to do absolutely anything. And then against Real Madrid, it was basically the same. They were like, Lewandowski's not gonna beat us. We're gonna have everybody near Lewandowski. And then if your wing players can do anything, then hats off to you. 
but Lewandowski is not beating us. So I, although I do agree he needs to score, and I think he was robbed of a penalty. To me, that rule is dumb as hell because it doesn't matter if you get the ball like a smidge if you then tackle the the the, the attacking player that's going to be able to get to that ball. So whether that that's not a rule like people that's like a urban myth like oh no he got the ball. Like the rule book doesn't say that if you get the ball a little bit, then you're able to just tackle the player. No, that that's not a rule in football. It's just it just kept getting repeated and people just assumed. So that's why I was like so surprised. Like the league did get a smidge of the ball, but then he just tackled Lewandowski. So that's that's just crazy. So at the end of the day, I do agree with Lewandowski. He needs to score in a big game, but I think that's more down to how. We're not getting him the ball in good enough situations. Like I would say, what I don't know his expected goals in any of these big names that he's been defended by two or three center backs, but I would imagine that it's really, really low. And then going back to the salary, I know we got a little bit like sidetracked with that, but the the worry thing, the 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 bad thing is the big salaries on the sacred cows, like Frank. I mean Busquets, Pique, Jordi Alba. Obviously, Frankie de Jong also, but Ter Stegen as well. But right now, like Ter Stegen, obviously couldn't do anything for the most part in in this game. But we're seeing, hopefully, like he's quote unquote back to prime Ter Stegen. So if he's earning, if he's playing like prime Ter Stegen, then you're like, whatever. That that's a good amount of money uh, to be had uh, for him. But at the end of the day, it's it's just those three sacred cows, and then. I know I, I may sound like a Frankie apologist, and I do agree that what he's earning doesn't go with what he's offering offering in the field. What he earns, he should play like a super mega star, and he isn't playing like one. But but I do think I think he's playing well. Just obviously his salary doesn't match like it's just it's not proportionate. But at the end of the day, it's a problem that Barcelona in a way same the same thing with the three sacred cows you're it's you're tied you can't do anything unless they want to or are able or they're they want to help because if not you can't force them you can't trade them this is not the nba and you can't force them to lower their salary and at the, at the worst case you can't cut their salaries because it it doesn't do anything for the salary cap so it's frustrating. We we can't do anything then. Yeah. We got to get our, our, our like, we got to pro- process that. We can't do anything. Yeah. And I think as I'm kind of reiterating this point that when you talk about sacred cows, you're talking about obviously Busquets and PK and Alba, but moving forward again with De Jong and his number, that becomes one of the big issues. I think moving forward this season, because if De Jong is necessary to because they didn't make the knockout of the Champions League, if he is financially necessary to kind of almost be shown the door or attempt to show him the door for the second time, do you really want to put the hard work in having him play as the pivot moving forward? Like, is Barcelona better for the rest of this season with De Jong as a pivot? Or, as we keep kind of saying, would Barcelona just be, would it behoove Barcelona a little bit better to continue to play the way that they're playing and and kind of break down oppositions? Because, even looking against Bayern, Bayern Munich, and I know this sounds entirely insane, but if Dembele wasn't so hot and cold, or if he wasn't so cold in his final ball as he was hot in in the buildup, because Xavi's plan moving forward 
wasn't that awful in terms of, I mean, even Pedri on that wing, like Pedri would come in against Bayern Munich and create these numerical advantages on the strong side, being Balde side, right? Where De Jong was also set up. And Barcelona would have these long switches out to Dembele, the way that they did when Xavi first arrived. And it was working generally to almost good effect. The problem was that there were no shots on goal. Like the, the final ball was not coming. Barcelona were so putrid in their completions in the final third yesterday that nothing ever went on net. And, and so Barcelona with possession, as has been the case in the Liga, they've been good and it's worked and it's made sense, whether that's Busquets or not, right? Busquets availability be damned. Like, or even without Eric Garcia, without Araujo, without whoever it may be, right? Because Araujo coming back in possession creates a problem that we've almost forgotten. Like every other center back is actually better in buildup than Ronald Araujo is. And so that's going to be this issue that's going to rear its ugly head again, unless while he's been on the shelf, he's kind of figured that out, which I, I can't imagine happening. So Barcelona in possession, in buildup against teams that are fine, you know, it makes sense. Because even the way Bayern was playing and pressing Barca, it wasn't that dissimilar to Athletic Club. Like they were allowing the two center backs to be open and they were putting pressure on the wingers. I mean, that being the wing backs or the full backs, if you will. And then they were pressuring the middle of the field. That's exactly what the Athletic Club were doing, that Bayern were doing, except Bayern is Bayern. So they're faster, they're quicker to the ball. And if anything, because no offense to the referees in the Liga, the tactical fouls yesterday by Bayern Munich was a huge part of that game. I mean, if you said that Barcelona were playing scared, but if anything, Bayern Munich were the team that were kicking the living daylights out of Barcelona because every time Barcelona created anything, it would end in Delict or Upamecano. Uh, That's why Bayern Munich were picking up so many yellow cards because Bayern and Nagelsmann were willing to say, hey, instead of letting Barca find any flow, any rhythm in this game at home with these 85,000 people screaming, let's just shut this thing down because this team can't pick the ball up after we've knocked it out of their hands, right? It's like that bully where you, you're, you're, roll, you're running with the ball and, okay, maybe it's just because I was a tiny kid, but some kid, big kid comes over and he smacks it to the ground. You pick it back up and you keep running with it. They smack it again. You pick it back up. But Barcelona has a hard time, like maybe it's because they're so old and their backs are get, given out already <laughs> that they, they have a hard time reaching down. And you know what I mean? They got a crick in their back because they're trying to pick the ball up. And that continues to be the theme with Barcelona, that if you do take them out of their game at all, they, they can't seem to get back onto it. And so one of my concerns is against Valencia this weekend is Villarreal, trash them. Awesome. Athletic Club, trash them. Awesome. Then they get punched in the mouth a little bit by Bayern Munich. So how will they respond against Valencia? And how will they respond in the Liga throughout the rest of, I mean, for the next three weeks until the World Cup break? And then coming back from the World Cup, when hopefully everybody's healthy, what is that going to look like? In theory, that should be the best team on paper in the Europa League. But we know it won't be. No, I, I agree, but, like, going back a little bit to this game and, like, Dembele and whatnot, and I think, again, I go back to Xavi. I think that he just got it entirely wrong because Dembele was, like, wreaking havoc on that right flank. He was literally running circles around Alfonso Davies in the buildup. Yes, his end product wasn't great, which is more often than not, but I, I thought specifically against Bayern, it was down to tactics and the players and the way Xavi won't chose to play because if Dembele when Dembele because he did get past Alfonso Davies almost every time that he wanted then Lewandowski wasn't an option because both Upamecano and the league were literally on top of Lewandowski so 
that of say if he's gonna if Lewandowski's gonna quote unquote take out the two center backs, that leaves quote unquote an open space near Masrawi. And we weren't playing with a true winger because Pedri's not a true winger. So Dembele, that like pass to that left winger wasn't there because Pedri either was there and is obviously not comfortable in that role or was in the middle. So Dembele had no outlet to that left flank if it wasn't Balde just yeah. going forward all the no, way. I actually think it's so, more important. I actually do think it's more important to pull out the, the left center back for Lewandowski because that near post run is the one that Lewandowski wants to make. And if Kessier, and again, I think the continuity and consistency was a major problem because Dembele and Kessier have not really seen the field much together. Same thing with Bayerine overlapping. Like what made Barca successful against Athletic Club and Villarreal was that Sergio Roberto cannot believe we're saying that we miss Sergio Roberto, but his runs either inside or overlapping Dembele. Now you have a whole different problem because again, it's Sadio Mane uh, instead of whoever Athletic Club was throwing out there, whoever Villarreal was throwing out there, right? Like that's a totally different ball game. So Sergio Roberto was probably going to have to stay at home more if he had started uh, instead of Bayerine. But because you weren't getting those overlapping runs timed properly, because there was nothing coming inside, and because I can't believe I'm saying this too, but there was something about those tactical fouls, or there was something that was missing from that game in the midfield, and it felt like Gabi, which is weird to say, but it felt like Gabi was kind of missing from that right interior spot. And even Gabi against Athletic Club was much better at making those runs in behind before he, he went out of the game. But I, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Villarreal. But his, his runs in behind Villarreal's defense was something we wanted from Gabi, and he did, and Villarreal were completely unlocked. So again, I don't know if Gabi does that against Bayern Munich, but that run in that half space in front of Dembele or that overlapping run from the fullback, like that has to happen because you have to, like that is what t- pulls that other center back out. Because again, continuing to try to move horizontally is important. But when you have De Jong and Busquets and neither are making any runs and you're playing at 4 2 3 1, like that's not going to work. No, I I do agree with that. There were a lot of bad things in this game tactically. Like it's, it, I'm not saying this is like the reason. Like I agree with everything you said about the fullbacks overlapping or underneath and whatnot. But to me, that that's one of the things that I don't like when when managers do this. Like, oh, let's play a midfielder as a winger. Like when even when we did it with Iniesta, I never liked it because more often than not, Iniesta wasn't there. Like for Messi. Sure. For, to that famous messy through ball to the left winger, which we did perfectly when we bought Neymar after that. <laughs> so, and then before that, we had David Villa. And I never liked that because it's, I mean, it's obvious that it's a midfielder that's not used to playing in that role. And whether he's there and is not used to those runs and whatnot, or he just drops back to the middle, that player, Messi, and the heyday and Dembele on Wednesday when he's going in he goes past Alfonso Davis which is hard enough to do and when he's going in and Lewandowski surrounded by two or three Bayern players he doesn't have that outlet to just like uh, execute that through ball because there's literally nobody there so to me again it's just like we we wasted in my opinion an amazing Dembele performance just going by people, obviously his end product wasn't good, but just going by people, like he was, it, to me, I, I, I like, I want to emphasize on this because I trust Dembele a lot of times because of his end product and whatnot and losing stupid balls, passes. So when he plays amazing, which I think he did, 
against freaking Alfonso Davis. Like it wasn't against a scrub. It was against Alfonso Davis. Arguably, you could say the best left back in the world. Then it, it just it, it it was frustrating because it was a missed opportunity to do damage to Bayern, and it's no coincidence in my opinion. I know we were down o uh, two and whatnot, but when Xavi basically decided to be brave after minute sixty, took out Busquets. He had a yellow card, but took out Busquets, brought in Rafinha, brought in Ferran, and and we were just like going forward, attacking. We seemed more like dangerous and whatnot. Obviously we didn't even have a shot on target, but like that sensation of like, now we're like trying to like, it's like a boxing fight. Let's go. I don't care if you knock me out, but I'm going to go down swinging during the first 60 minutes. We weren't swinging whatsoever. We were just like, Oh my God, just covering our faces. So that's why it it was just so frustrating because I know we might not be able to hang with the top, top teams more often than not, but I know what we did in Germany, Germany and what we saw at the camp. No, it was like, there, there's got to be an in-between both games. Like, we aren't what we were in Germany more often than not. I agree. But again, we aren't what we showed at the camp. No, that's why it's Yeah, I mean, I think there was a bit of an admittance that having watched the Inter Milan match together at the stadium prior to, that they were pretty bummed. Like, that team was pretty down in the dumps. And to ask them to go out against a Bayern Munich team that is almost excited to play against Barcelona... It was a recipe for disaster in that way. So, all right, I think we're going to continue to ask a lot of big questions of this team. We have Valencia coming up. I'm sorry, Barcelona has Valencia coming up on the weekend. So that'll be an interesting test because Valencia is very much the Jekyll and Hyde. You never know what you're going to get from Valencia. As always, they're a team that you want to talk about poorly financed or poorly figured out things in the back office, for sure. So, Ralph, again, I think I've had enough coughing fits. I think the people here have seen enough disjointed content for one day. So we're going to wrap it up. Remember, follow him, Aldo Movie Football, everywhere you get any piece of content, especially in Espanol, of course. So then we are the Barcelona Podcast or or the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13. For me, anywhere, again, in the show notes, you can follow us both on all the different platforms, including YouTube and Facebook, Patreon, da 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 So merch store as well. We haven't had as many uh, people heading to the merch store, but not to say that this is the perfect time you want Barcelona content, but I will tell you that the Barcelona Podcast merch, uh, we're still going strong as well as uh, as much of the team can, can can seem to suffer. So that'll wrap it up another edition of the show. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forward to Barca. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.